The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome to episode number 39 of Biz Locker Radio. Hey, thanks for joining us. Great to have you on board. And of course, if you're if you're just joining us, you're not aware if this is your first time to listen, but if you've been with us a while, you do know this. We were the Business Locker Room, and that's the way it was branded. Now, Biz Locker Radio. In fact, on Twitter, hashtag Biz Locker Radio. Thanks for making this a part of your business day. If you're listening in live, great to have you on board. This is the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business today. We operate at the intersection of sports and business. Sports and business are so much alike, so analogous, so many lessons to learn from each for the other one, and that's where we tend to hang out. And we tend to talk about how we can learn to compete more effectively, how as a sales rep, a manager, a business owner, an executive, an entrepreneur, you can get better at what you do by listening to this show. So we bring you the kind of content that's actionable, things that you can do differently beginning today. Got a great show on tap for you today. A guest that we've had on in the past, T.A. McCann, and I'll be excited to have him join us here in just a few minutes. Lots of things to talk to you about about the show, by the way. If you're listening in the podcast or if you're live, there are a lot of things happening. Again, you can find us at bizlockerradio.com, and you can always send me an email, kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at bizlockerroom.com. We did a lot of things at the end of last year, rolling into this first year, and the thing that I am most excited about is that we have asked and had seven people agree to become coaches in the business locker room. That, uh, in addition to my good friend, Miles Austin, whom will join us later in the show for our X's and O's segment, is always brought to you by 4D Sales. But I would like to tell you just a little bit about the four, the seven people, rather, that we're going to have as a part of the business locker room and who will be contributing to the blog and creating incredible content coming out of the business locker room on a regular basis, coaches that will provide the kind of coaching that will improve your business. First, there's John Spence, top 100 business thought leader in America, and he has written a fantastic book book called Awesomely Simple, Essential Business Strategies for Turning Ideas into Action, and he is very well known, very well thought of, and uh, gracious enough to agree to join us. Along with him, a gentleman by the name of Stephen Gaffney, a leading expert on honest, open communication in the workplace, very, very well known. Just released his newest book, Be a Change Champion, 10 Factors for Sustaining the Boom and Avoiding the Bust of Change. 
Jeff Shore will also be a part of the coaching staff. He wrote the book, Be Bold and Win the Sale. He stands out for his research-based Be Bold sales methodology. He'll be our sales expert. Marissa Levin will join us as well. Really excited. Had her on the show about a month ago. A very enthusiastic lady, founder and CEO of a company called Successful Culture and just finished her book, Built to Scale, How to Top Companies Create Breakthrough Growth Through Exceptional Advisory Boards. Then from the Ken Blanchard Companies, Randy Conley joins the coaching staff. He is the author of the Leading with Trust blog, and he's the trust practice leader for the Ken Blanchard Companies. Really excited to have him as a part of the crew. Then there's Josh Miles, who is the founder of Miles Design. He'll be our marketing expert, and he'll be helping us with all things marketing. He's, the, uh, as I mentioned, the founder of Miles Design, just released his book, Bold Brand, The New Rules for Differentiating Branding and Marketing Your Professional Services Firm. And then last but certainly not least, Mr. Jack Malcolm, who is a presentation expert. His book, Strategic Sales Presentations, one of the best I've ever seen, and I'm excited to have him on board. Seven world-class top-flight coaches joining the locker room, and they'll be providing incredible content over the next uh, several months, beginning in February. In fact, Josh Miles has already written a blog post that will go live tomorrow, and he will issue the 12-month marketing challenge. Let me encourage you to jump on bizlockerroom.com tomorrow. Find us on Twitter. You'll see it released, but a fantastic article. He'll be taking companies and individuals through 12 months of transformation in marketing, and you can follow him, by the way, at Josh Miles. So all those things in front of us and much more that I'm going to talk about through the remainder of the show. Some other great things happening as we rebrand and reset Biz Locker Radio. As I mentioned, today's show is entitled, by the way, Supercharge Your Marketing, and I'm excited to welcome in T.A. McCann. He is a guy, as I mentioned, has been with us before. He was the founder of Gist.com, now the founder of RivalIQ.com. He is an angel investor, has made investments in a number of digital startups. We'll talk about some of that, but he's here to talk marketing, social media, and competitive intelligence. Between the social media the web and SEO, there's just a ton of valuable information that's available to you about the players in your marketplace. That information lies buried somewhere if you can find it. And TA is a guy through his company, Rival IQ, can help us find it. TA, great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us yet again. Great to be back, Kelly. You've been busy since uh, we talked last. Tell, tell me a little bit about the evolution of Rival IQ and some of the things that are happening there. Well, we've now, uh, you know, we've really grown our customer base a lot. We've got customers now in over 25 countries, um, and they're spanning all kinds of uh, different verticals and or sizes of companies. We've got some that are as small as an individual consultant all the way to Fortune 10 kind of companies. So we've been excited that, uh, you know, the product Rival IQ uh, seems to be resonating with them because, you know, every marketer that's out there is spending more and more time in a digital realm and everybody's got competition. So we've been no. busy, you know, selling the product, but also evolving the product with some uh, some really key features. Yeah, no question. I, I've, I've watched with interest. Your company does digital marketing analytics. Tell t- the listeners, many of them will be, uh, you know, will own small businesses or, or run, you know, units inside of businesses. What what would Rival IQ do for a small business, T.A.? How, how do you see the application? What does an owner get out of it? 
Yeah, well, as a, as a digital marketer, you tend to be focused on a lot of different areas. So you might think about it, and we'll break it down a little bit into if you're competing with every uh, other companies, you're going to think about their web presence versus yours, sort of like what do they look like, how do they describe themselves, their organic search ranking. So when people go to Google, they type in looking for a particular thing, they're, they're going to find, find a, a company based on its organic uh, Google rank, uh, their paid keywords, so what advertising are they doing on Google, and then there's their social channels. So what are they doing on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn? And what Rival IQ attempts to do is to make it very easy for anyone who owns a, a company, whether in sales or marketing or, or the owner, to be able to put yourself, your, you, your own domain in there against your competitors' domains. And we effectively discover the answers to all of those questions. What do your competitors look like? How do they rank on, on Google? What things are they advertising against? Where are they producing social content? And what of that social content is really resonating? And we repeat that process every 24 hours. So we go and look for things that are changing about your competitors as well. So if they change the way to describe themselves, have a big move in one of those areas, post content that's getting a lot more engagement than they normally do, we'll send you an alert via email because we're all busy and we're all focused on many different things. So we try to make it easy to get a, a real good benchmark of where you sit from your competitors and then uh, monitor for key changes over time. So it sounds a little bit about uh, sounds a little bit like best practices for digital marketing. Is that a pretty fair assessment? Well, it depends. I mean, if you're competing against the best out there, that may be true. But certainly, the process of analyzing and comparing against your com- your competitors would be a best practice. And then, depending sure. on how how competitive your market is, where you sit in that in that market, and how many resources you have to go after it, you may be doing many different kinds of competitive analysis. But again, Rival IQ is sort of a tool that brings it all together in one place, normalizes all that data, and allows whoever's in charge of your marketing to really get a good sense of what's working well and where you can improve. T.A. McCann is my guest. He's the founder of Rival IQ. You can find them online, rivaliq.com. Also, follow T.A. at T.A. McCann. It's M-C-C-A-N-N, at T.A. McCann. And he's got his own website as well, by the way, T.A. McCann.com, which is where a lot of his blog posts wind up. Good stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about those. You know, it's interesting when people hear, there, there are many people still, hard to believe, but still many people that hear social media and digital and web presence and all of that, and their eyes kind of roll up in the back of their head. I mean, they're still working and providing tangible products. They don't feel like they need all that social media and all of that. But the thing about Rival IQ is it gives you competitive data about how people position themselves, how they represent themselves in the marketplace, regardless of how you feel about digital marketing. That's valuable information to have, T.A., yeah, I think I think oftentimes what we find is that Rival IQ is, is a good answer to that question of should I or shouldn't I be active in any one particular place? And it's really easy to go in there. You know, you add five of your competitors in there, and all of a sudden you say, whoa, actually a few of them are actually quite active. And being active, they're also getting a lot of people to engage with their content, or they rank really well in this particular keyword. So sometimes that answer is, uh, is first is, is anyone else doing anything important? And then oftentimes what we find with Rival IQ is that people will then say, well, I understand now my five or ten direct competitors, but what are other companies that I admire? What are they doing really well? And so you can go and build a different landscape to go and analyze companies that you, you like the way they're designed, you like the way they're talking about themselves, or you just want to figure out, like, what are they doing? For example, you might say, is anybody that I know doing anything important on Instagram? 
take out nobody I know and you go add five or 10 companies and all of a sudden you get a sense of who's doing what on Instagram that you may be able to learn from, even if they're not your direct competitors. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You've spent a lot of your time as an entrepreneur. We, we talked a little bit in the last show. I mean, you, you sailed in America's Cup. You're a competitor. Entrepreneurship, I'm sure, satisfies a little bit of that for you. But you've started companies. You, you actually work with startup companies now. What's the biggest challenge that entrepreneurs face? Is it capital? Is it, is it leadership? Is it organization? I mean, where do you come down on that in, in terms of the biggest challenges that people are going to have to face as they start a new business? Well, I think I'll take it in two phases. I think when it's the starting phase of the business, uh, meaning it's just, you know, a few of us in a garage and working on an idea, is most people are too scared to go and talk to customers. And they, because when you often talk to people, they'll say, I don't need that or I won't want that or I'm not that interested. And it's, it's quite disheartening and frustrated. So I'd say that's what I see, especially with technical founders. And I spend most of my time in the technology space. So technical founders, engineers, they never want to go and talk to customers. They just want to build things. So I'd say that's the, at the early, early stages that people don't spend enough time talking to customers. The second is that they are too broad in their initial uh, focus. So they're thinking about all the kinds of people that could, ha- that could have this particular kind of problem as opposed to a very narrow segment to get going. Because even a narrow segment, almost no matter how you define it, is usually big enough to get a small business up off, off the ground. So defining a very, very focused and relatively small target market. And then I'd say as you get into sort of medium-sized, you know, 10, 20 people kind of business is, is this overwhelming sort of challenge of all the different things you have to work on, part of which is marketing uh, and much of which is sales and operations. But as you get into this sort of this business of, of acquiring customers and trying to acquire customers effectively, um, it's, it's pretty overwhelming, and I see you know too many too many companies trying to do too many different things, not very well. So we sort of have an axiom of do half as much twice as well uh, in terms of your marketing. And again, Rival IQ is one of the tools that we use to sort of understand what it is we can do half as much of, but twice as well. Are there other tools that you use? Are there are there some that you would um, recommend to to business owners and entrepreneurs? Yeah, I've got a, actually quite a long list on my blog. So T A M N dot com slash tools. Okay. And I write up all the tools that I tend to use on a personal basis. So I'm sort of a productivity geek. So there's a bunch of different tools that are there for me to save time and be more efficient. And then there's a list there that uh, of many of the tools that we're using at Rival IQ to make us, us as a business more effective and more efficient. So I think probably the best there is the uh, is the long list that I've got at, the, at that website, tamecan.com slash tools. Well, in just a few minutes, we'll take a break, and when we do, I'll run off to your website, that blog post, and maybe bring up a couple of those for people that are listening, because I'm, I'm quite sure they're going to be interested, and I'd like to kind of whet their appetite and have them go look for more, send some people to your website. You, you've been involved with a number of startup companies. You're an a- active angel investor. You've made investments in, in a number of those. Tell me one that's really doing well. Business model is good. You really like what they're doing. They've been successful, and, and, and what's led them to where they are, T.A.? Uh, probably one of the more exciting companies that I'm working with now is a company called Creative Live. And what they do is they provide online education for creative professionals, think photographers or illustrators and musicians. And what they've done is they've really focused on bringing world-class experts into a classroom. They teach uh, a two, you know, one to three day long sort of video delivery of their content. And everyone in the world can watch that content for free when they watch live. 
And if you like it, you can download it later. But effectively, it gives it gives access to everyone in the world, access to these amazing photographers, illustrators, musicians, to learn how they become successful for free. And at the same time, again, if you really like the content, you can download it and watch it over back and forth and look for all their unique t tips and techniques. And it, for many of the sort of uh, the experts themselves, this gives them a venue because Creative Live sort of puts together all the high-end production value, the studio, the scripting, and that type of thing. So it's, it's really everybody's sort of succeeding and winning in this particular model, and they're doing really, really well. Is that, is that the new model uh, for, for people, TA, when you talk about – um, giving your content away like that, the freemium idea, is, is, is that here to stay and is that going to be the model for the future? Well, I think you know, it's probably too broad a statement to say that's a, you know, a, uh, a business model or a marketing or an acquisition model. I think it's fairly clear that many uh, online companies are, give away a tremendous amount of value uh, either to uh, educate their population or to bring leads to their product or to, in the case of Creative Live, I mean, the content is their product. So they've come up, I think, with an innovative business model of being able to watch it for free and download it if you want it. Uh, and that's, I, that's one of their many different innovations they've had at Creative Live. But I think the ability to create content and educate a consumer or educate your customer not just about your product, but about the problem they're trying to solve, I think that is definitely an important sort of thing for all of the listeners to keep in mind. But digital media and digital marketing have, have really changed the entire landscape. By the way, if you're interested in that company, I took a quick look, creativelive.com. And you can find T.A. McCann, as I've mentioned, online. You can find him at his own website, tamccann.com, um, and follow him on Twitter at T.A. McCann. Digital marketing has changed everything, and it really is impacting the way people look at the way they do business. But there's still, like anything, there's the early adopters, and there's the big wave, and then there's people who are still straggling behind. I want to come back on the other side of the break, TA, and, and you've written a couple of interesting pieces recently. A blog post called Changing Context Creates New Learning, and certainly digital media has changed the context completely. And you do a presentation called Learn From Your Competition, and I would like to come back on the other side and talk about that as well. Our guest, as I mentioned, T.A. McCann, he's the founder of Rival IQ. We're going to take our first time out. We'll come back on the other side. Much, much more here on Biz Lucker Radio on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One -on -one Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step -step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. 
If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to Biz Locker Radio. Great to have you on board. T.A. McCann is our guest, and uh, is it safe to say that you're a fan of the Seahawks? I am, for sure. <laughs> I was looking at your latest uh, tweets on your on your website. A lot of references there to the Seahawks. Uh, what many people may not know is the Seahawks are now a client at Rival IQ. TA, how, how does that work for Seattle? What do they do? Well, it's interesting. You know, when we met with the Seahawks, um, they get reports from the NFL about once a month about their own social media. But, you know, as, as we know in social media, things are changing certainly on a daily, if not hourly basis. And so they originally wanted to sort of look at Rival IQ to get a much more frequent report about their own content which we can easily satisfy them for them. But they also sort of say, like, well, how do we compete against, uh, against our other NFL teams? And in which particular channels? Are we better at Facebook or Twitter or Instagram? And whoever's best at Instagram, what are they posting? Can we learn from that? So they wanted to really learn from their competition. And we were able to satisfy that for them pretty quickly. And because the Seahawks are a world-leading organization, um, they wanted to even learn more broadly than that. So what we brought to them is the ability to say, well, could you learn from the NBA? What about Premier League Soccer? What about MLS? Or what about other companies that market to your same demographic, uh, Budweiser or BMW or whomever you choose? And so they've got a variety of different landscapes set up where they are monitoring themselves, themselves versus their peers, and themselves versus other companies that they think they can learn from, again, sometimes in the sports realm, sometimes outside the sports realm, um, and they're using the product in all three of those ways in a pretty active uh, basis. Yeah, that, that's pretty incredible. Now, how does that work for other NFL teams? I mean, how long does it take for them to come to the table and say, we need some of that data as well? And from the Seahawks' perspective, do, do they discourage you from doing that? Well, they, ha- they haven't yet. Um, I, I have to say we are in talks with a couple more and a few in the NBA at this point in time. So, one would think that, um, you know, they all should have that at some point to the extent that they're marketing themselves online. What we have learned over time, which is kind of interesting, is that while the NFL teams compete with each other on the field, they don't really compete with each other that much online, right? I mean, if right. you're a Niners fan or a Broncos fan or a Seahawks fan, you're not likely that much of a fan of the other teams. So, they, while, again, while they compete sort of online, they can learn a lot from each other, like what content, what kind of photos resonate the most on Instagram, even if I look at the Broncos or the Patriots or the Packers or the Niners, I can learn a lot from that, even though I'm not competing with them directly for the mind share of Instagram. Yeah, that makes um, and that's, sense. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting. So they're sort of more geographically oriented uh, in terms of their sort of competition. So it would almost be that the, the Seahawks are competing against the Trailblazers or competing against the Sounders, but in that case, they're at different seasons. So they're actually learning from each other, and, uh, and we think that obviously any, all of these teams are entities in themselves. They're spending time building audience. They're spending time building engagement, whether that be for ticket sales or merchandise sales or partnerships. There's a ton of different value they can derive by understanding 
their own sort of social media footprint and then that relative to a variety of other different companies. Yeah, if you're listening, you just heard a very practical application for Rival IQ and, and what it does for the Seahawks. I would suggest to you the same application is probably true for your own company. Before we went to the break, TA, we talked a little bit about productivity tools, and you've got a whole listing. I actually went online and looked at tamccann.com slash tools. You do. You have a whole list of things here, and you mentioned uh, three that you're, you're really, really fond of in terms of the way you use them. Share those three tools with the listeners. Yeah, so the first one is a company called Full Contact. And what Full Contact does is it sits, it's a, basically a, a next-generation address book. So it does a couple of things. One is you can download it on your computer. You can have it on your iPhone. You can have it inside Gmail. You can have a web browser. You can have an address book on your Mac. And it basically synchronizes, deduplicates, and cleans up your entire address book and synchronizes it between all those places. That's really one very valuable thing for all of us who are, have large contact networks and are building relationships. Two is it sits inside Gmail, on the side of Gmail, if you have Gmail. And when I add somebody new to, to my contact list or my address book, my full contact, it brings up a whole bunch of their social profile. So it'll show, oh, there's Kelly. Here's his Twitter, his LinkedIn, his Facebook. It's easy for me to connect with him. I can add tags to them if I want to. I click another another tab in full contact, and I can see your latest tweets. And I click one more tab, and I can see background about your company. So before I even respond in email, I've got what you look like, where you live, as well as a bunch of your social content to make my response and my engagement with you much richer. Gotcha. That's fullcontact.com. Easy to download and use in any one or all of those places. As I said, web, desktop, Gmail, iPhone, uh, or Mac. Okay. The, sec- the second is called Boomerang Calendar. And what Boomerang solves is this problem of, hey, Kelly, let's meet. Well, when are you available? Tuesday at 6. Well, I'm available Friday at 4. So that back and forth that we all have with email is just terrible looking for a meeting. So the way full, uh, Boomerang solves that is when you send me an email, I respond. Uh, I have a little add-in to Gmail, and I can click three, four, five different things that work for me. And it sends you those times back in the email, and it adds a, a, a copy of my free busy to the email as well, so you may want to pick a different time. So all you have to do is just click on one of those times that I suggested, and the meeting's immediately booked for both of us. So Outstanding. So okay. many, many, many back-and-forth emails uh, of that. A related product that, that I like also is called Calendly, C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y, and that's similar in the sense that it'll easily just send you a copy of my free busy and you just click a time that works for you and it automatically schedules for both of us. So gotcha. I end up spending a lot of time back and forth with meetings. And the third product is called Yesware. That's Y-E-S-W-A-R-E, Yesware. And Yesware is specifically sort of targeted for business development sales professionals. So when I send an email with Yesware, which is just also a Gmail add-in for me, I know exactly when someone read it, how many times you read it, where you're physically located when you read it, and I get an alert back from that. I'm basically tracking that email the whole time. And if I want, I can upload a PowerPoint via Yesware as well, and it will give me a full report on, did you open that PowerPoint? How many slides did you look at? How long did you spend on each one of those slides? And how many people in your organization spent time on which particular slide? So it's incredibly powerful if you're a salesperson that A, is selling a lot via email and or attaching PowerPoints uh, that are sales propositions or other things like that. That's Yesware. 
Boy, that's uh, that's great stuff, and, and it allow it allows us to see how guys who are very successful in entrepreneurial situations are managing their productivity. Of course, uh, my good friend uh, Miles Austin will join us in the latter part of the show. We'll do the X's and O's segment. Seems like every week he brings us a new tool. Some of those are productivity tools, and you've mentioned uh, three that I'm, I'm sure he probably knows a little bit about. But it's great to hear it from people that are using it on a regular basis. Not too terribly long ago, you wrote uh, a blog post called "Changing Context." creates new learning and, and you you mentioned that you do a presentation called learning from your competition uh, and I was I was really uh, taken by that and, and had some notes that I wrote down from it and you you said that you've got a couple of concepts inside of that uh, about me- build measure and learn and then also measuring me versus me me versus the competition me versus best in class tell us a little bit about that presentation and, and the context in which you offered that uh, when you were in Aspen yeah, so I was invited to a, a meeting that they have once a year in Aspen. That's that's really the meeting for the hot, the top end of the ski industry. So it's with athletes as well as providers and service providers and equipment providers. And uh, and I, as as the show is, I mean, I'm a person that is I love to live at the intersection between athletics and and business. And I've done that in in my own sort of sense. And I like being around people who are thinking that way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was invited to come in and sort of keynote that uh, that conference, and I developed that uh, presentation uh, for that uh, for that conference. Interesting. And then you were talking to them about learning from the uh, from the competition. And I assume that it's it's based on this whole rival IQ deal that you, there's a lot of information out there, and you can see what other people are doing well or doing poorly, and, and you can take that information and do something with it. One of the ideas you talked about was the the idea of build and measure and learn, and it seems sort of self explanatory. But how did you make the application there? Well, in that, in that case, it's a, this is sort of a well-known concept in at least the software startup uh, realm, and some people would call it lean startup. Um, and this whole process of is how can we as an organization most effectively build, then measure, then learn, because we're not right about everything. And I, don't, I would argue that most businesses aren't. And the teams that can create the most effective process both in terms of volume and time, like how quickly can you get that flywheel to spin, will slowly but surely outlast the competition. They'll be able to build more things that people want because they're able to know what's right or wrong by measuring. They, they make a certain uh, insight and then take in a specific action out of that. So this build, measure, learn process is really sort of built into, I would argue, almost any kind of success period but certainly with regard to software. Um, and if you even watch, I mean, just to sort of relate it to the Seahawks, you can see that in many cases, you know, these football teams, they come out on the field and they have a certain game plan and pretty quickly they figure out, oh, that thing we try to do isn't working as well, but this other thing that those guys are doing, that's an opportunity for us. And so they're literally going through almost a build, measure, learn cycle almost every four downs, certainly every quarter and definitely every half, in which point they're learning from each other and they're finding weaknesses or opportunities, and they're modifying their own product to be more successful. And I think in that particular case, I, I think I used two different analogies. One of them is is what we do with Rival IQ, but then the other one was the most recent Last America's Cup, where the winning team Oracle was significantly down for the majority of that uh, event, and they were just able to more effectively build, measure, learn over what was about a two-week period of time to ultimately create a speed advantage and ultimately win the America's Cup. Uh, 
Well, I wanted to share a book with you. As you, as you were talking, it, it reminds me of a book I just finished over the weekend. It's a book called Smart Cuts, written by a guy by the name of Shane Snow. Uh, subtitle is How Hackers, Innovators, and Icons Accelerate Their Success. And, and many of the ideas you just shared there are very similar to some of the things that uh, that Snow shares in his book. And it seems like that's that's become a norm as well, is that instead of trying to be incrementally better, he talks about being 10 times better. He talks about changing completely the way you look at something instead of just trying to be marginally better. How, how can we jump the curve dramatically and really provide enormous differences? And he provides several uh, examples of that process. But when, when you talk about doing that and learning from your competition, is, is that an effective way to look at it? Do you, are you trying to get a little bit better every time or are there ways to just jump over the entire curve and, and really dramatically change things? Well, I, th- I think you can. I mean, we have, a, we have a phrase that we use internally and I do with a lot of my startups, which is, are you evolving the product and the process? So the process is, how do we learn? How do we evolve? How do we make decisions? And if you're evolving the process, at the same time as you're evolving the product, obviously, you then get this chance for, I think, exponential gains. Because most people are just thinking about making the product better, but they don't make the process any better. Right. And a good example of that with Rival IQ is every two weeks we do, we release software every, every Wednesday, effectively. We have sprint planning, and then we have basically build it for two weeks and we ship it. Every other Wednesday, we do metrics within the company. So we do top to the bottom. How are we acquiring customers? How are they experiencing the product? How many of are converting to paid? How many of are churning out, et cetera? So the entire company sits through what is a usually a 40 or 50 minute long presentation that is really contributed by everyone in the company to say, how are we doing? And so you get this rhythm of building the product, then listening to metrics, build the product, listen to metrics. And so that is a process innovation, not a product innovation. But in that way, I would say that our company as a whole understands everyone else's, you know, what metrics matter to each individual department? How do all those metrics fit together? When I'm building something or doing something, what metric do I think it's going to affect? And I would call that a process innovation as much as the product innovations, which is new features and things like that. So I would argue that companies can be looking at saying, are we innovating on our own process of getting better, hiring, managing, firing, talking to our customers, selling, et cetera, at the same time as building a better product that, that people want. Now, that's an incredible observation because I, I would suggest that you're absolutely correct in the observation that so many people are looking to improve the product, but they're not looking at the things that the product impacts, the processes that are impacted by the product and so forth. That, that's, that's, that's worth the price of listening to this show today, guys. I can guarantee you that. Inside of your presentation, you talk about the comparisons of me versus me, me versus my peers, and me versus best in class. Why is it important to understand the distinction? Well, for, I think I would argue that any form of human progress, your first level of that is to set some form of goal and understanding, well, how good I am, how good am I at that? So you want to be a better typer, for example, or a reader, or run a better 10K, you have to set some sort of ben- benchmark, which is generally me versus me. And really the only thing you can control is your own individual progress. So you can say, oh, well, I'm doing these things and I'm getting better than I was last week, last month, last year. That's the only thing you can really control. But are you getting better fast enough? I mean, if you really want to be world-class, then you have to understand, well, am I winning or losing against my peers, the other people who want to go to the Olympics or win the America's Cup or win in business? And so that's that next phase is, is maybe I'm in the fastest 
you know, fastest pool, the fastest track, and I'm already running against the fastest guys. So I just have to measure myself versus my peers. But then that gets into the next piece, which is, do I really know who the best is and what the best is doing? And can I measure myself against the best? This is easy to do in sort of uh, certain kinds of sports like running or swimming, um, more difficult to do in sports like soccer or football, but getting a sense of who is the best in class and how do they measure themselves and how could I measure myself against them? And it's getting easier and easier for us to do that from a business sense. I mean, we at Rival IQ now are analyzing 40,000 companies every day across their web, their search, their paid search, and six social channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, G+, and YouTube, and Instagram. So we start to know what really is best in class, what really is high engagement on a tweet, what really is the kind of content that works on Instagram for airlines. So we're getting to a place where anybody who wants to compete at that level can measure themselves against themselves. Are we doing better than we did last week, guys? Ourselves versus our peers in our little vertical, as well as ourselves versus the best in class. And our job is really to help marketers out there be the best in the world. Well, I can only imagine the insights because clearly the first thought that anyone would have, myself included, is I would like to know how my company is doing against similar companies, but that's to be extraordinarily limited. My guest is T.A. McCann. It's been a fantastic conversation. And folks, so much more to talk to T.A. about. He is a very successful founder and uh, advisor to, to a number of startups. He's an angel investor. He works in this space. And Rival IQ is an incredible tool. And I would like to talk to him a lot more about some other things, including, by the way, TA, corporate culture and the role you guys play in terms of uh, intentionally establishing a set of cultural values and who you are. And I know you've got some friends that I've, I've read about uh, on your blog and so forth for, at Moz, for example, that, that really take those things seriously. We'll have to do it another time, though. It has been a fascinating conversation. You can find him at T.A. McCann, M-C-C-A-N-N.com. Follow him at T.A. McCann, also RivalIQ.com. If you're serious about your marketing and you want to supercharge your marketing, that's the place that you need to go. T.A., thanks for being a guest. Absolutely outstanding. Great to have you on board. Thank you very much, Kelly. Super deal and a great week for the Seahawks, now a client for Rival IQ. Hey, we're going to come back on the other side of our break, and we'll be joined by Mr. Miles Austin. We'll do our X's and O's segment. It's always brought to you by 4D Sales. We're going to continue our conversation from last week about Camtasia and Jing and some other tools from TechSmith. Stay with us. You're listening to BizLocker Radio on Voice America. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Hi, this is Jeff Shore, author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. More great business ideas straight ahead in the business locker room. That's right, Jeff Shore bringing us back from the last break. And uh, one of the uh, brand new coaches in the business locker room, jeffshore.com. He's joined by Stephen Gaffney, who's been on the show a couple of times. Absolutely fantastic. John Spence, somewhere north of incredible top 100 business thought leader, also a coach. Marissa Levin, Randy Conley from Ken Blanchard Companies. Really excited to have him join us. Josh Miles, the founder of Miles Design. And Jack Malcolm, seven world-class talented people contributing content to BizLocker Radio and the Business Locker Room as coaches. Excited to have them, as well as uh, my good friend, Miles Austin, who joins us for the X's and O's segment. Mr. Miles Austin, good day in Seattle yesterday, huh? I think so. I'm still recovering. <laughs> I was in the recovery room for all night, but I, I think so. It was, a, it was an exciting time, no question for us. I got to thinking about all the people I, I know in Seattle and how they must have you know, been clawing their eyes out in the last two minutes of that game. Uh, but it did not lack for drama. Well, you know what? I To me, it did for the first half. I, I have a lot to learn from our, my Seahawks because I literally walked away before half and said I t- kept the TV on and I was down in my office working. But I said, you know what? This this is just driving me nuts to see a team perform so poorly. I, I just I couldn't handle it. I thought, you know what? I, I just want to see it. It's just ugly. And once in a while, I'd hear a little roared. I think, what's going on? I'd run upstairs and we did something good, but then we get another interception or something. And obviously by the fourth quarter, I thought, well, let me just watch a little bit more. And I got to tell you, my heart, um, I needed to get jump started a couple times with those big old defib uh, bracket things. <laughs> well, you're listening to Biz Locker Radio, the X's and O's segment. This is the intersection between sports and business. And uh, they were definitely intersecting yesterday. Hard to believe that Russell Wilson threw four picks and was able to win that ball game. Uh, absolutely, you know, and I and I look at it. I give him credit because he took he took responsibility for every one of them. And obviously, for anyone that watched the game, you know that many of those went through the hands of a receiver. Um, but he took the credit, and I, he said, "Look, it's my fault. I need to do better." And I, even though I have a lot of respect for the competition, I, I heard the other quarterback um, say, "You know what? We had some people that didn't step up today." And I I just thought, man, as a leader. You got to be. That's a fine line. Maybe do that behind the behind the scenes and you know behind closed doors and face to face. But I, I was real proud of our whole team yesterday. I'm just hoping our our health is going to hold for the Super Bowl. Well, it's an interesting commentary that you make there. Next week, 
Miles, Bruce Feldman is scheduled to join us here in BizLocker Radio, and he just finished a book called DQB, The Making of Modern Quarterbacks. Uh, Bruce is a senior Fox, uh, Fox Sports senior college football commentator and a New York Times bestselling author. I'm, I'm excited to have him on board to talk about his brand new book, but also to talk about that particular topic, the quarterback is leader and how they exemplify leadership characteristics, what we can learn and Clearly, some things we could do differently on occasion. Next week, by the way, Miles, we're going to talk about our friends and sponsors, uh, 4D Sales. They have re-released their 4D Sales tool, and I'm excited about it. Now a new enterprise version with a lot of capabilities they did not have before. We'll do a whole segment on that next week. I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I know they continue to expand and add value to that product. No doubt about it. Last, last week, we started talking TechSmith. TechSmith.com. We talked Snagit, Camtasia, and Jing. Screen capture, screen recording, and video editing, and sharing of screens, all of those kinds of things. We sort of introduced those those ideas. Let's talk a little bit more today about Snagit. How do you use Snagit? What's it for? How does how does the average business person take that tool and do something with it? Well, you know, Snagit um, has evolved quite a bit over the last eight or nine years since I've been using it, but I would tell you that generally speaking, it is a tool that allows you to capture anything on your screen as a still shot, as a small video, or even with some audio. So just look at it as a screen capture tool on steroids. Wow. So I, I could take that and, and it's, I mean, many times we're taking screenshots, but I, I don't know how typically we're using those from a business standpoint. On occasion, we are to show people what a screen looks like because we're having trouble. But how do you take that and use it as a business tool that makes this a good investment? I use it, well, I tell you what, and this is one of maybe three tools maximum that I have literally loaded 100% of the time when I'm online. It's a little pop-up. I click it and it's right there. Because as an example, I might read an article. I might see a post. I might see a really neat graphic or a, a diagram that I really like. It's not exactly what I would use, but it's a great example to capture it. One of the neat features with Snagit is it's also integrated with a bunch of other products, many of which we've talked about on the show, Kelly. So I'll take something. Let's say I see a diagram or a flow chart or a, a funnel diagram about something. I've got, I need to capture that. Rather than just saving the link to it and going and finding it later, I literally click on my Snagit button. I capture and I size and I draw out exactly what I want it to capture. I click the button and I save it to Evernote, Right. So right. now I've got the ability to capture the essence of what I was seeing. I've got it saved to the place I go to retrieve all of this. So let's say I'm working on a presentation, uh, you know, a couple months from now, and, and I need to find a graph, graphic representation that is in the same gist of what I'm trying to convey to an audience. I literally go into Evernote, I click on speaking ideas, and I'll scan through it, and boom, there it is. I click it and I go. But as I said, it, this has evolved quite a bit. This is also, for many people, might be all they need as a video capture tool as well. So as we talked last week, Camtasia is more fully blown. It's a couple hundred bucks, and you can run the world with it. But Snagit can also capture and edit and clip out pieces of video um, all just within Snagit. So if you're kind of an entry level and you don't really have a lot of advanced editing needs, then Snagit can actually serve that purpose instead of Camtasia, and it's 50 bucks versus 200 bucks. 
Wow. Okay. So interesting. So I could I could record a, a training session, or uh, perhaps I, I assume I could have even a, a PowerPoint presentation, a keynote presentation up, and I could be recording a video and, and pointing and clicking and doing different things. Is that is that a fair representation? Yeah, but again, if, if, yeah, but I think you're maybe going too far. I think if you okay. just want to have a video on the screen that you want to capture, or you want to just do a little short snippet. It's not designed for a, you know, a one-hour um, video capture of a webinar and that kind of thing. But just think short, quick, specific, pointed information that you want to capture, and that's a great way to look at how you can use Snagit. Interesting. All right. So that leads us. We've done a little bit with Camtasia and a little bit with Snagit. Now, where does Jing fall into this product category? Well, the good news is it's a free download, so we've kind of gone from the $200 Camtasia to the $50 uh, product with Snagit, and Jing is a freebie. And what's really nice about Jing, it does, again, a lot of these things just at a little bit smaller scale. So you can, again, with Jing, you can capture what you see, you can record audio and what you're talking into a microphone, Um, you can share it across a lot of social networks or through email very quickly. Um, it's just a really great, easy way to do a lot with what's happening on your computer screen. So what's the difference then between Snagit and Jing? I mean, you're talking about very simple things. As I look online, they have very simple or very similar kinds of things in, in the presentation of how they put it online. What's the difference? The difference really is, again, is how much you want to do. If you're just going to literally grab a quick picture of something and that's it, then Jing would be probably a great tool for you to use. What I found was I want to do more. As an example, when I capture an image in Snagit, I can literally, when I click it, it saves it, shows it on my screen. I can edit it. I can shorten it up. I can shrink it. I can change the size. I can can create some effects with it. I can actually edit that image right there on my screen. Those are things that you can't do directly with Jing. So again, it's just more of a level. If you just want to try it, and the, the truth is for everyone that hasn't used any of these products, get Jing. It's free. Download it. Play with it. I think if you're doing more and more online, you'll probably want to move up to Snagit. And at some point, if you really understand the power of what's happening with video, you're going to want to move up and grab Camtasia as well. I don't use Jing anymore just because I've got Snagit and I've got Camtasia, but for a lot of people starting off, it'd be a great way to get to know the interface, get to know the company, and get to know the power that these tools can bring to you. Now, when you talk about image editing for any of those tools, what what level of image editing can you do? I assume cropping, resizing, those kinds of things, but can you actually manipulate the image as well? Uh, absolutely. You can change colors. You can tr- you can work with transparencies. There's plenty of things you can do with them. Again, that's a matter of how experienced you are as a user and if you even really have a need for that kind of thing, right? Um, right. I'm always an advocate. Don't spend more than you need and buy more than you need for, for functions you don't need. That's why, again, I think TechSmith's approach here is Jing is kind of just get started and play, more of a play thing. Um, and then move up into Snagit if you're doing some real basic editing of video, but a lot. It's still, I think, the premier screen capture because there's so much control and how you can do it. You can literally have a, as an example, try to do this with a shift print screen or something on your computer. You can literally set one of your tabs to say, I want a scrolling window I want this to capture. You click Snagit. 
you click on the, the on the screen, it will scroll down and capture the entire page, no matter how long it is, versus just what you can fit on your screen at that point. Oh, yeah, that's different. That's definitely yeah. different. So there, there's different capabilities, and there's a lot of, of uh, looks. What you can, you can have it so that, let's say you grab a piece out of a, a blog post. Let's say you have maybe a paragraph quote that you want to capture and reuse for some purpose. Well, you can have it so it looks like it's a jagged edge or it looks like it was ripped out of a news. You know, there's some nice-looking little effects that you can do. Um, with Snagit that you wouldn't have the opportunity to do with Jing. But again, if people haven't, they're not really even sure that this is something of value, start with Jing. Most of you will probably move up as you get some experience into Snagit. And if video is something or audio or some combination, you're going to move into Camtasia because of the power and the flexibility uh, and the tools that it gives you. All right, very good. Miles Austin, he is the web tools guy. You can find him at Phil the Funnel. Com. And if you're not reading his stuff, uh, trust me, it's costing you money. And you should be following him on Twitter as well, at Miles Austin. Miles, in the in the little less than four minutes that we have left, let's take Camtasia. Now you've kind of given us the difference between the three tools. We introduced them last week, talked a little bit about Camtasia. Describe uh, the overview of a project, because I know you use Camtasia all the time. Give me a sense of a project that you used Camtasia on and kind of walk the listeners through how you decided, oh, here's where I use Camtasia, here's how I'm going to use it, and what the final product sort of looked like. Sure. I'll give you a, a recent example. Last Monday, we had a webinar that a, a group of my peers and I did. I had a couple thousand people in the audience. It's about an hour and a half long. It was stored on, it was a hangout environment, so it was stored onto to, uh, YouTube. Well, that's too long for most people to sit and consume at once. So I literally downloaded the video, uploaded it to my hard drive, broke it off into individual chunks of about 18 minutes each for each of the five presenters, labeled each one, and then packaged it in a way so that if I have a client or someone wants to see just the part that uh, Mike Weinberg talked about prospecting and the importance of prospecting and the challenge of this whole social media buzz that he really thinks is a bunch of baloney, um, I can just cut and paste that piece. So I have the ability to package or repurpose an hour and a half video for my own purpose. I'll use another example. I had an opportunity for a new customer that wanted me to come speak at a convention coming up in June um, in their city. And they said, could you send me um, some video links? And I said, well, I could. I could. Now, in the past, I could just give them a bunch of YouTube videos, right? But they're not going to watch them all. So what I'm able to do is grab eight or nine of those, load them onto my hard drive, and then just take effective snippets from each of those and transition and blend them. And now I have about a five-minute speaker video that takes the best of miles, if you will, and can transition them and build them into a post. And then I can add a little video clip at the front, an outro or a video clip at the end that gives them contact information. So I've taken maybe 12 hours of, vi of presentation on video, condensed it down into the best of what I have to offer into a five-minute video that fits that perfect that does need perfectly, and then I can add a little soundtrack on the back and things if I want to as well. Come on, I've seen your video. I'm going to say you need to stick with radio. <laughs> you, <laughs> you and all my friends have said. Oh, uh, hey, if you haven't seen Miles, you've got it. Jerry, guys, a consummate professional, great stuff, always good contact, and that's going to do it. We're out of time, but always good info from Mr. Miles Austin. Fillthefunnel.com. 
And the X's and O's segment brought to you as it always is by our good friends at 4D Sales. I mentioned we're going to talk about them next week in great detail. But folks, go find 4dsales.com and tell me if you're in selling or if you own a small business, this, this is not a tool that would benefit your company. It's a tablet-based sales tool. Use it on your iPad. Use it on your Windows 8 device. Doesn't matter. Put all of your material in one easy-to-access, visually appealing place right there on that iPad or that Windows 8 device. I have been in this business for a very long time. It is a tool that enables you to access the critical pieces that you need during a sales presentation. One touch, you're emailing it. One touch, you're showing them a video. Another touch, you're downloading a a piece of collateral material. And as a business owner with the new enterprise version, we'll talk about at length next week. You have everything at your fingertips, all ready for you to use. Miles Austin, thanks for your time. We're going to see you next week. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks to T.A. McCann for joining us here in the Biz Locker Room, Biz Locker Radio. Find us at bizlockerradio.com. Next week, great show lined up for you. Bruce Feldman will be our guest. We'll talk about the QB, the making of the modern quarterback. I'm Kelly Riggs. Follow me on Twitter as well, at Kelly Riggs. We'll see you next time on BizLocker Radio here on Voice America. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of the Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.